0: What about Vietnam? A podcast with Gary Newsom, The series where Carrie talks with travellers about their experiences and adventures. Find out more about Vietnam from the people who have actually been there. What about Vietnam? Whether it's adventure, exploring the culture and cuisine, shopping or just soaking up the sun. Let Carrie and her travellers pave the way for a magical holiday in what Vietnam. What about Vietnam? chào and welcome to What About Vietnam? Before I jump straight into the show, I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention that there's been uh, some really big news, really big, exciting news about the visa situation to enter Vietnam. As from the 15th of August, you will be able to extend your stays quite dramatically, so the typical e-visa up until this point has been uh, for those countries that it applies to, you would only be allowed 30 days. That will be extended to 90 days as of the 15th of August. Uh, I'm going to put detail of the website that you need to go to, which is the regular, the most authoritative website to use, and I use that uh Sincerely, in the sense that it's not a service provided website. It is, in fact, the immigration website, uh, to apply directly to the Vietnam Immigration Department for your visa. Uh, so you pay the, the minimal fee and, uh, you know, I've been doing that for years and I recommend all my clients to use that website. So that's where the information will be. At present, uh, on my last check, just the last couple of days, it's not been updated to reflect this new change. But there's also significant changes to the countries that have been outlined as uh, being waiver free. So up until this point, those countries would have 15 days in the country that they could come and visit and not have to pay any visa or or apply for any visa status at all. That has now been extended to 45 days. But all the detail will be on the website. The news has really just only come out of the last five days. And, you know, I'm talking to you on the 30th of June. So please check out the website, uh, whataboutvietnam.com, as soon as the full information has been released Vietnam. I will make sure I put that on our website. But today, uh, I'm very excited to have Simon White on. Now, Simon's been doing business and visiting uh, Vietnam over the last 15 years and certainly has a similar love of Vietnam. He's been going back and forth. I think he said he had something like 60 trips over 15 years He says that he's travelled extensively across the country uh, by car, by rail, by bus, by bore, and he just loves the experience of the country, its food, and immersing himself in local culture and local traditions and just, you know, musing through the country and really meeting people and doing all sorts of fun things. He's a fun guest. He's got some great insights into some places I've wanted to talk to uh, you about, and they're places like Fantip, which is very close to Moonet. We have discussed Moon a, uh before on the program, but uh, we're doing this show really with a big focus on land transport. And so we're going to be talking about train travel primarily, and that's um, using the reunification train uh, from top to bottom, and uh, looking at places to visit by train. And some of those are fan tips. Some of those others are like Hwei, like Quinon, like Da Nang, Hanoi, and of course, Ho Chi Minh City. So Sit Tight, it's a really jam-packed episode. Simon is wonderful at just giving his insights and experiences at a very street level, a very immersive level where he likes to, you know, get out and mix with the locals uh, in the cities, in the country areas and really enjoy the street food, enjoy the different traditions and the nuances between the north and the south. And I I think he's going to give you some insights that uh, might help you make up your mind as far as whether you want to do your hops around the country or even mix up your hops around the country between train or whether you go by plane uh, to visit some of these places as um, they're all interesting. But how you get there is you know, all part of that journey experience as well. Without further ado, let's bring on the very learned, very talented, very interesting, very fun guest, Simon White. Simon White, welcome to the What About Vietnam podcast.
1: Yeah, hi, Kerry. Thanks very much for for having me on today.
0: Look, we've got a lot to talk about in our program today, but maybe just for everyone listening, you could tell us a little bit about your relationship to Vietnam. You know, what keeps you coming back over 15 years and 60 trips, I hear?
1: Yes, thanks, Kerry. Look, I've got a bit of a, a long-term love affair with Vietnam Uh mostly around business aspects because I'm the president of the Australia-Vietnam Business Council in Queensland and also AusCham, Vietnam's representative in Queensland. I'm on the advisory board of the Australia-Vietnam Leadership Dialogue and I spend a lot of time in the business aspect of Vietnam. But like uh, most people that go to a new destination, you know, over 15, 20 years ago, I've spent a lot of time also exploring Vietnam and getting to know the country, what there is to do. Uh, and the people and and the excitement of visiting just different destinations around the country. I think uh, the reason I keep going back is is there's always something new to explore. There's new flavors. I say don't just say that from a food point of view because we all know Vietnam is a food destination. But there's new flavors in what's happening with Vietnam and how it's growing up as a country. A uh, hundred million people, as of a couple of weeks ago, and uh, also the differences between the the Metropolises of you know Ho Chi Minh City, and the differences between that and uh, and uh, Hanoi, and what happens all the way in between, and all those amazing places and destinations, and the uh, the amazing country areas with where you're back to to feeling like you're in the Vietnam of thirty or forty years ago.
0: Talk to us about your most liked land-based transportation and why you would favour one over the other? I I think
1: the beauty of land-based travel, you know, when you're an aeroplane, and and we know this also domestically in Australia, you fly over and look down at things and you have that bird's eye view, but you're not immersed in what's happening on the ground and you're not immersed in the people and their day-to-day lives. And, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about taking other people to Vietnam and I quite often think when you land in in the airport in, in Ho Chi Minh or Hanoi, uh, it is sometimes confronting if you if you're not used to it, and uh, I always refer to it as being like a deer in headlights. With when I take people over there, uh, and I also always meet everybody at the airport, and they walk out into that throng of people with you know, hanging around and that chatter and noise, and, and down south the heat and the, and the smells and the aromas of, of an Asian city, um, and I think that you know that can that can be quite challenging to people. So I think that when you want to immerse yourself in culture and and this also depends on how much time you've got because if you've got a quick trip and it's seven to ten days you need to jump on a plane to to see a bit of the country and get to know that the the differences around what happens from the difference between the south to the north and in between but i think if you've got a bit of time you know getting down and getting on some sort of land-based travel, and we can talk about the options in a moment, really immerses you in the culture and allows you to look out the window, sit back and relax and and compare Vietnam as a country and how it's uniquely different to a lot of countries, but also the same in some ways as well. And to watch people go about their day-to-day lives and to go through uh, you know, when you're on the train, for instance, you go through the backyards, not the front yards. So you don't see the shiny, the shiny front of the of the shops and the places, but you see the backyards and the chickens and the pigs and the washing hanging out and the kids playing along the place. And uh, you know, it gives you a different experience to what Vietnam is from the perspective of the Vietnamese person.
0: And I, and I think that's a really good point to mention is that you know I think Vietnam has become very much a a location that's big on the Instagram set in the sense and social media sense everybody's taking the front yard photos and the, the perfect views and you know the the rice paddy fields are in are perfectly in bloom and you know all the colors are perfect and all the rest of it where as you and I agreed that you can you can experience a Vietnam that is still steeped in a lot of history. You know, the minority groups aren't just dressed up for fun. They wear those clothes as their normal day-to-day wear, their, in their traditional costumes. And I think you're right. I think seeing the backyard does give you that immersion in a greater, greater sense. So, I mean, I've done very limited train travel, but in the case that you have got some time, and you want this kind of experience? Where would you where would you base your train travel? I think you either go south to north or north to
1: south, um, and you do the whole country if you've got time. You know the, the reunification uh, train line, which you know was was basically rebuilt after 1975 to reunify the north and the south, goes from Hanoi to Ho Chi Minh, goes you know all over the country through all the major central towns. Uh, it's an amazing trip. Uh, you know, you can get a sleeper. It's cheap. Uh, I won't say it's luxurious, but it's air conditioned and it's uh, and it's presentable and it's clean. So I, I think if I was to choose any mode of ground travel, as I love getting, I love getting on a motorbike and I love getting in amongst it in Vietnam because then you feel the energy and those sorts of things. Unless you're experienced on motorbikes and you don't have kids, uh, it's not safe. Mode of transport, Correct. especially especially on the highways. You know, unlike Australia, where we sort of, although motorbike riders will tell you otherwise, we're fairly observant of the rules. Uh, the smaller you are in Vietnam on the roads, uh, the less important you are, and therefore motorbikes, you know, aren't, aren't very important. So, if I was in a city area, I wouldn't ride a motorbike. But in the country areas, off the main roads and highways, I love getting on a bike and going for a ride, and I'll put my my son on there with me and will ride around the regional roads because the traffic isn't an issue. Land-based options are motorbike, probably not safe and not comfortable uh, unless you're an experienced rider and you want to get on a bigger bike and do, do the whole country. Uh, buses, look, there's regional buses which I wouldn't get on at night time because they'll take a 20-seater and put 40 people in it and it's terrible and it's and it's not safe. Um, they have the sleeping buses that are okay if you're a five-foot Asian frame, but I'm a six-foot-three Australian frame. Uh, so the sleeping bus, my feet are hanging over in someone's head uh, and mm. I can never get comfortable. But also they're not – to me they don't feel safe and that's just a personal thing. I, mm. And especially, you know, they're built for overnight travel and, and overnight – They just the don't
0: feel – they just don't feel hygienic to me. So you've got car, private car and cars.
1: Cars are becoming very popular. I won't say their driving uh, ability is becoming better with the volume of traffic on the road. So, you know, private cars are great and, and you know, their Uber equivalent, which is Grab, is great to get around the cities or, or regional cities. Yep. But um, longer trips, uh, it's, you know, it just isn't practical. So it comes down to train. So I think the train is a, you know, it's a great way to see the country. You can sit there, look out the window, see everything happening. As I say, see the backyards rather than the front yards. Watch, watch yourself go through you know, rice paddies and mountains and mountain trails along the coast and back in through little towns and cities and just, just look at the country that's growing up around you. Um, and it's, a, it's an amazing way in any country to travel, but certainly Vietnam. And I think the other thing with trains is I think they're pretty safe. They don't go that fast, so you know. So anything <laughs> that does go no wrong, there's not a lot that can go that's going to happen. Not a bullet train. And I think that there's a comfort and a personal space. We quite a, the three of us will travel, and what I'll do is I'll book. I should pay the extra, the extra bed in a sleeper when to make it four. So you have your own cabin. It costs yes. about twenty dollars for a trip, so it's not expensive. And then you've got your own space, and you can do your own thing. And my uh, my uh, advice would be buy some food before you leave your destination. Correct. Like yeah. Go to the shop, buy some snacks, buy some food. I would take a few beers because I'm an Aussie. Take some things you want to eat yeah. and, uh, and and take it all with you. No one cares. And then you've got all your supplies and uh, you can look at the view, you can read a book, you can, watch, um, you can watch something you've downloaded. And it's a really relaxing way to sort of sit back and, and see the place. Um, and if you get a bit tired, just close your eyes and have a bit of a have a bit of a rest. So, uh, so I think it allows you to go from Ho Chi Minh City in the south to Hanoi in the north, for instance, and and have a look. And a bit like, you know, Canada or, or Europe, you can have a a time-based ticket you can buy where you can get on and off as many times as you like. So you can buy a what would be a Eurail-type pass concept. Oh, I didn't know that. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can buy that and you can basically jump on and off the trains. I mean, you've got a book each leg from a seat perspective when you get on when you want to get back on again but you can jump off at all these small destinations and and uh, you know ask the ask the people in the in the train station or you know I find when you ask taxi drivers and people where to stay you know 90% of the time you're going to get somebody who's going to be pretty straight up with you and say look there's a great hotel in town or what are you looking for or this place to go so I usually think the advice of the locals is really good So, so if you went, for instance, from Minh City going north, I would recommend that people need to stop in places like Fantia, uh, which is also Muna, which is you know the, the famous kite surfing beach of days gone by, the Fairy Creek or whatever. The fairy stream, yeah, fairy stream, uh, which you get to the top and you find out it just comes out of some rice paddies, but it's a beautiful walk. <laughs> 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 it's yes, a clean clean thing, but it actually just comes off the runoff from the rice paddies and the farms. But uh, but it is a nice little walk and. You know, uh, Fantiette's a a seafood town. If you've ever watched Luke Nguyen's um, series, he he cooks on the streets of Fantiette quite often because he's got family there. So, you know, it's a seafood town, so you'll always find a really good seafood meal there. You know, I went actually went to a seafood buffet there last, when I was there in December last year, it was $10 all-you-can-eat seafood.
0: Oh, my life. God. I'm in heaven. Mm. <laughs> and, but the interesting yeah. thing is whatever you
1: wasted, they weighed, and you had to pay them if, for every 100 grams of waste you had. So, oh, you're
0: kidding. That's
1: you allowed to, I mean, that's an interesting yeah. concept. Mm. But the food was amazing. It was just so much fresh seafood and, and you know, $10 you could sit there all, all night and, and eat as much as if you want to. So, you know, those sorts of things in Fugtia are great.
0: Um What's and the accommodation like in Fenty?
1: Well, well, I usually stay there with family, so for me, it's it's easy. But if you know, there's a lot of hotels there. But if you look at Mune Beach for interest, interest, there's resorts. Oh yeah, there's
0: there's resorts in Mune for sure, yeah,
1: and there's lots of them. And again, look, you know, um, along the beachfront, I, I can picture, but I can't give you names of four or five. There's a, there's a couple of really good resorts there. You know, I, I'm not a I'm not a five star resort golfing resort traveller, so they're not the pick for me. I'm more of a get down amongst it, you know, sort of person. So for me, I'm more of a sort of three star, as long as I've got a clean bathroom of my own, I'm happy. So for me, it's about sort of casting around and looking at what options there are, and uh, what's interesting. And places like have just a good feel about them and again it's a safe town if you like to if you like to ride a motorbike you know just be careful if you're not licensed in riding a motorbike in Vietnam you don't have a license there then you are going to have insurance issues and Mm. I would never recommend anybody go there without having a license to ride a bike because I I do know of a guy a European guy who had a uh, with his girlfriend had a motorbike accident she was killed and he was put in jail for seven years uh, because he hadn't and this is many years ago so you know it's one of those places, but uh, Frontier is a beautiful place to stop. It's on the train line. Uh, it's, you know, it's hot but it's near the beach and, uh, you know, it's it's a great, dest- lesser-known destination. Uh, and and, and Runei Beach was very, very popular, of course, with the Russians for a long time but not as much these days. Uh, but the, the money going into the resorts there from an investment perspective means that the opportunities to, to stay there, you know, the opportunities of accommodation are uh, are increasing all the time.
0: It, I'm really glad that you've covered off um, Fan Tip because it's an area I don't know as much about. I've got a girlfriend, Vietnamese girlfriend of mine who who's just moved back there with her family because her family uh, own farmland there and they, they're doing farming in dragon fruit. So yeah. uh, I, it's a place I want to go to when I when I visit next time. The other uh, train trip I've heard is very nice that maybe you can speak to about for everyone is the trip from J- Da Nang to Hui. D-
1: da Nang to Hui, well, I've done Da Nang to uh, Donghui to go up to Nha to, to the to the caves and mountains areas that we talked about earlier. But um, that trip from Da Nang to Hui, it goes along the coastline, the mountainous yes. coastline the north of Da Nang. So you go up through the pass and through the tunnels, North of uh, Tanang, and uh, it's it's just absolutely beautiful trip. Um, uh, unfortunately, with the configuration, if you've got a sleeper, the sleeper is actually on the the mountainside, so you've got to keep your your, your sort of room door open to look out to the, the aisle. Oh, side. it's on
0: the wrong side. It's oh, on the wrong right. side.
1: Most people most people just stand in the aisle and look at the view for half an hour or an hour as you go through there. And um, it's
0: are actually- you better to do it the other way? Then are you better to do it from and comes Hawaii, south. yeah. Oh,
1: I've never done that. So I'm assuming if you go south, I don't know whether they turn the train around or they just have an engine at the other end and then the the carriages the same way. Because uh, mm. quite okay. often with train carriages, they just hook up an engine to the other end and go back. It does you know the train doesn't turn around itself, so the carriages mm. are still right. have the same configuration. Mm. But that's it. If you, you know if you get a, a, a day train that leaves, you know there's a few of them, but there's one that leaves about 10 a.m. from Danang. To go north, so if you're doing that da Nang to Hoi trip, um, and you go through there, the, the view is absolutely amazing, um, and you know it's just a great way to spend sort of the day. And it's
0: only about three three hours.
1: So if you leave at ten, you're going to get in just after lunch, and uh, you know, really nice, really relaxing, beautiful view.
0: And then does it go? Does it go Danang Hoi, uh, and then Dong Hoi? Is that the way it goes? Yeah.
1: Yeah it, yeah, it goes Huay Dong Ha Dong Hoi, uh, and all the way up. So it just goes all the way up through Ninh Binh and up into up into Hanoi from there. So it just. All
0: right. Have you done all it all the way to Ninh Binh?
1: No, no. I've done. I've only done Ninh Binh to. I've done Hanoi to Ninh Binh, and then I've gone as far as uh, Dong Hoi.
0: Well, there's two. Trains that go to Quinon now, isn't there? It's the new Vietage yes. through the Anantara Group—they—they uh, they are running that, and that's kind of like a, from what I can gather, is like a the Orient Express version with the bar and the—and it's very swish, and you can yes. do that trip. Uh, and then, as you say, there's the reunification train that goes uh, to. Uh, Quinon. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about Quinon? Because uh, for everyone listening, Quinon is an area that uh, was a bit of a best kept secret, really, for Vietnamese, as in for uh, locals knew how beautiful it was. But it's now becoming very much a tourist destination. And there's a lot of resorts been built over the last few years. And it's really coming of age, so to speak. So yeah, Simon would love you to touch on that trip from Da Nang to Quinon and tell us a little bit about Quinon.
1: Well, yeah, so, so you know, Quinon, as you said, great, great secret for travelers, but is becoming quite commercialized now. Mm. I think, um, you know, the first time, as I think I said to you earlier, the first time I ever went to Vietnam 15, 17 years ago, I went to a, to a business networking function in the very early days. So it was very, uh, very, very, very uh, basic networking in those days, um, and um, I won a door prize, and that door prize was a, a weekend at um, at a brand new eco resort south of Quy uh, So, of course, the next time I went back, I, I flew up there, and and uh, and uh, that would have been my first ever experience into a you know out of Ho Chi Minh City, except for you know the usual things, which is Mekong or Chi tunnels and things like that. So, it was my first sort of outside of Ho Chi Minh experience. Um, and it was quite – it was a very, very high-level resort, but it was quite a remote destination. I remember getting in this um, – getting met at the airport in this beautiful brand-new Land Cruiser with white leather upholstery, <laughs> which I really didn't really <laughs> in there, um, and on um, a drive about an hour south of Queen on into uh, – out onto this peninsula on these dirt roads where there was this brand-new eco-resort where there was six villas and personal butlers in each room and your own little pool and your own beach hut uh with personal staff and um you know you pick up the phone and the butler came running I, I remember picking saying uh we're you know it's lunchtime can we get something to eat and the butler brought the chef down to the room oh and he said was, he said oh we've got some uh, we overnight we have bought some i think it was sea bass or something off the um fishermen out the front because you can see a little fishing boats around fishing boats out in the bay um and then next thing, this whole fish arrives that's been done with rice with rice paper uh, and and you know vegetables and and herbs and things to, to roll with rice paper. You know, so it was an amazing resort. And it was being run by a young twenty five year old Swiss graduate American guy graduating, absolutely amazing young guy. Um, growing all their own vegetables and, and herbs. Just, you know, beautiful resort. And they had their own fish farm as well across the hill. And I remember going over for lunch and sitting on the dock at the fish farm, choosing your fish out of the fish farm. I don't know what happened to it. I'm assuming it's still there, but I had never heard about that resort again. And everyone keeps saying, oh, it must be a sixth sense, but it's not. It's, um, it was independent. But, uh, you know, Quenon area is absolutely gorgeous to look at. Um, it's it's a beautiful beach area. There's uh, there's It's, it's quite remote and i went back there again about a year ago just just under a year ago and uh for a different reason and and stayed in town and had a look around and it's 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 like a mini Denang. it's probably like denang was 15 to 20 years ago okay uh, where you know before the masses of beach resorts and um you know explosion of tourism so it's a beautiful place to go a little bit off the beaten track
0: is there a lot to to do there
1: Oh, there's heaps to do. Look, it's like everything. There's islands off there too, so you can explore that. You know, you can go out yes. and the islands. There's snorkeling. There's um, there's just beaches you can go to. You know, when I go over there, I quite often take my own mask and snorkel. I don't take flippers and things because it's too much. But I take my own sort of bit of snorkeling stuff to have a look around. You know, as you know, Karen, a lot of places in Vietnam, you know, you might see one fish and it's scared because it's you know there, there is issues with fishing out the place a bit. Um, and uh, there's not yet a realisation about ecological tourism or ecological management of tourism in mm-hmm. Vietnam areas, uh, and Halong Bay would be an example. You know, beautiful place, but you know, you go in the water and, and you you won't see a fish. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things that needs to be worked on in Vietnam is the the, the management of the environment alongside tourism and business. Yes, um, and I know there's a lot of work being done on that space and and a lot of uh, environmental management uh in in corporate business around other things like packaging and things that the rest of the world are working on but i think when you go to those places you know one of the detractors that needs to be worked on if we can talk to some of the little the the little quirky things is just the amount of um floating floating rubbish (laughs) and things like yeah and uh, and how that detracts from those beautiful places i saw one recently on uh on a, on a Facebook group around Vietnam, and it was this beautiful place with all these beautiful seaweed beds and people taking selfies standing on the seaweed beds. And my comment was, this, this is a beautiful place, but it won't remain beautiful if people don't preserve it. If they keep standing on the, the seaweed beds taking selfies, they're not going to be any beauty for anybody else to share. So, you know, we, you get these amazing places, but I guess, the you know, how are they going to be managed and maintained as, as from, you know, eco perspective the challenge between you know fish farms and tourism and and uh the understanding of you know maintaining beaches and dealing with rubbish and packaging and things is still a challenge in a lot of areas unfortunately
0: and i think it's it's a point that we need to raise and you know it comes up intermittently when i'm talking to various guests uh, about rubbish management around waste around seeing it uh I guess the tourist footprint and and the impact it is making on the environment uh, with plastics and all the rest it it is uh, some circles that I I mix in and in Vietnam tourism etc do tell me that they're aware of it they know about it and there's a lot of working group parties that are trying to engage with professionals and people that are specialised in this to come up with solutions. Uh, I think the sad part. For, for me and for everyone listening about this is that some people will then kind of uh, dismiss Vietnam in the sense because that they haven't addressed it at this point and it doesn't look great and it can put them off the whole scene. But I, I guess if, I, if we could kind of put it in the context that, you know, Vietnam is growing at such a rate and speed that I think it's having trouble keeping up with itself. And you know, certainly with you know sixty or seventy million people uh, in the domestic travel market, I'm feeling their footprint just as much as my own as a as a foreigner. And I I think there's there's going to be a lot more said about this and done about this in the future. But I just hope people can say, look, yeah, it's not great. It it needs to be addressed, but don't dismiss Vietnam because in some of these locations it isn't well managed at this point so it's kind of a work in progress for for one of a better description
1: you know i had some interaction with one of the municipal councils in a major city during covid to introduce them to the head of uh, the un environmental waste council and things like that to to help them you know they're looking they're seriously looking at these things i think there's not yet a societal awareness of I'll just, you know, I'll just chuck that plastic bag down into the area at the back, and it doesn't really matter, you know. There's still, yeah. and I think that's that's also about, you know, we're still talking about an emerging economy, and yes. I think we're seeing that in people's attitudes are still such that they're not, um, yeah, they're still focusing on how do I make a dollar, put food on the table, not necessarily what I worry about.
0: Just one of the other areas that uh, I wanted to talk about was uh, Hue. Yeah, Hue is
1: amazing. I mean, you know, thousand-year-old uh, citadel that uh, was the capital of, the, of, the, of of Vietnam at the time. You know, you can still see sort of bullet marks across some of the fascias from from you know previous conflicts from you know in the late '60s and early '70s. Uh, it's it's an amazing place to go historically uh it's a, you know it's a bit of a place to go and it's still there's still cheap accommodation available in the way there's good food like any tourist destination it has challenges around the, the commercialization aspect but i think and the volume of people you know pre-covid when i went through there it was crazy with the number of buses and the number of people trying to get in and out of the citadel to have a look at it but that said you know i think if you're on holiday you tend to Forget a little about those things. You know, you just say, look, I'm on a holiday and I'm going to enjoy myself and I know I need to stand in some queues and I know there's going to be other people on a holiday too. So I think if you put that aside and you're not trying to rush, you can have a great time wandering around mm-hmm. in high uh, And um, You know, we talked a little bit earlier about the, the, the different, um, you know, the different <laughs> empires that have been through Vietnam or what is now Vietnam over the years and there is – you know, there is history across Vietnam where in places like Quay and in My um, Son, which is south of, you know, south of Da Nang, where there's history there that's being worked on and, and explored to look at how that has developed the culture of the people and their belief systems and their family cultural values that you can experience when you go to these places. And you get a feel for why the people of Vietnam are what they are Because you go and experience some of the history um, of the hardship or of the of the different uh, different sort of ruling people that have been through, and when you look at the history of Vietnam, you know pre pre the twentieth century, it's quite interesting to look at those sorts of things. And and you see that in you see that in Hoi An with the Japanese influence, you know six hundred year old Japanese fishing town. You see it in in uh, Ninh Binh with the uh, you know with the tenth century. Uh, capital city when the river was obviously a lot bigger uh, and things like that. So, you know, there's those sorts of historical things if you've got a, a bent towards that sort of tourism where you can get in and, and, and really explore uh, some of the history of what makes Vietnam, a, you know, the country it is today.
0: Yeah. And the people that is today and the influences from north to south, just how different they are, how it influences the food, Clothing, you know their farming styles, their eating styles, their so
1: socially they're different people. Yeah, people yes. used to say to me, which you?" Yeah, say, you know, everyone says it. Do you? What do you prefer? Do you prefer Ho Chi Minh or Hanoi? And I used to prefer Ho Chi Minh because the people were a lot more relaxed in the south. Mm. I'm finding that the people in Hanoi now are becoming more relaxed because they're becoming more used to Westerners you know, and tourists and, and what they need to do. We're, we're certainly talking about the old town Hunkem area um, in that conversation. But, um, and, and Ho Chi Minh is becoming now a major high-rise sort of city with developments and um, there's, a, there's a swing, um, although, you know, a lot of people in the south will tell you otherwise, but I do feel there's a lot more embracing of uh, of tourism and people in the north now and um uh, more acceptance and more openness and more smiles and more friendliness than there was uh, 10 plus years ago.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Simon, so, mean, I'm aware of time, so I'm just wanting to wrap up if we we may. Uh, do you have any last kind of comments that you'd like to talk to, you know, just around our main focus at land-based travel?
1: Sure. Well, I think the first thing is don't be scared to land in you know, most international flights embark into Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh. Don't be scared just to say, look, I've got a couple of days of accommodation booked in a hotel or an Airbnb or whatever it might be. Don't be scared not to, to, to do that. When you go to those cities, you will find every type of global food that you'd find anywhere else. You can have, uh, you know, Thai food, Indian food, uh, American hamburgers, steak houses, pasta and Italian, French, all those influences of, of food are there. So don't be scared if you've got... Dietary believes, and you think you're going to land in 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 Vietnam and and have to eat just Vietnamese food for 30 days straight. Sometimes our Western bellies can't do that. Um, so I think we've got to be cognitive that it is that they are international cities. So everything you need is there. Um, you know, you've probably touched before in other in other podcasts around things like you know medical services and insurance and all those things. But you know, all those services you need are going to be there. Uh, my, my recommendation to people is also get yourself a local SIM card. I always have a, I have a Vietnamese SIM card I put in my main phone, so I've got all my all my data-based stuff, and then I put my Australian SIM card in a secondary phone so I can still receive texts and phone calls from Australia if I need to from a business perspective. But I, I have a local SIM card. I put it in my Australian phone, and then I'm internet connected to all the apps and all the travel apps and all the things like that. Um, you know, get on to, you know, without advertising, get on to Grab before you go and set up your Grab account because Grab is the way people get around if they're not using a Absolutely, taxi. swear um, by it. It's just, it's just your Uber equivalent. It's the same thing. Uh, it's a fantastic service and don't be scared to, you know, to grab your water bottle and go for a walk. I spend a lot of time in Vietnam when I'm between work engagements, walking around the places I'm in, it doesn't matter where I am, but certainly in the cities. And I just say, look, you know, especially post-COVID when I was there last year in May and then again in June and, you know, September and October and December, I'd spend a lot of time just walking around, not in the middle of the day when it's 36 degrees, but in the evening, uh, and and i just put a shorts, t t-shirt and, and a pair of joggers on, and i just walk up and down the streets and say what's new, what's closed, what's not there anymore, and, and get a feel for what's going on in the city, get into the vibe, walk down the back alleyways. You know, the, the, the best places in the in that you're ever going to find in those places are the back alleyways of the cities.
0: And you know, once again, that's that's another good point that you brought up. You know, I think Westerners have been trained, or from a societal perspective, you don't go down alleys, you know, like the you know, alleys are dangerous and, and that because I know. Just recently in Ho Chi Minh City, I was taking my sisters down this uh, alley and they're going, Kerry, do you really know where you're going? Like, you know, we love you and all the rest of it, but seriously. And I'd go, "Now look, just trust me. And sure enough, we'd go down this alley and the next thing we're going up these stairs and then, you know, we're in the Cat building and there's beautiful boutiques and coffee shops and all, all of this. And kind of going...
1: Little coffee, little little uh, courtyards with trees and light food. Absolutely, uh,
0: absolutely. And I think
1: yeah, and, and and you know, I know time constraints. But look, the other thing is get out of. you I mean is district based, like Paris, uh, district one. Uh, yes, you know, get out, get out of district one. Go to, you know, don't go to Nessie District 5 for the backpack area is not the only place to go, but you get out of those places. Go out into District 3, District 10, whatever it might be. Have a little bit of a wander around, start in the daytime to make yourself feel comfortable. And, you know, you'll find things like a whole street of plumbing supplies and a whole street of coffee and a whole street of kitchen supplies. And, and, and it's amazing to get into those places. And that's why I say, again, grab, because you can get grab motorbike yes. if you want to put your, they have a second helmet, whack it on, sit in the motorbike and say, "Yeah." I did this in Hanoi with some friends one year. I had 10 friends with me. We got, we just walked down the road. We got 10 grab guys. We said, how much for four hours? Take us around town. And they took us all over town, it ended up being six hours. We went to an amazing restaurant that you'd never find unless you are a local for lunch. Yep. Um, we, you know, you just saw all these things that you wouldn't see by going down all the back alleys and they stopping and, and, the experience, that's the experience of Vietnam. It's not sit in my international hotel and talk to other travelers while I have an air-conditioned buffet breakfast. You know, it's, its you know, when I stay in Vietnam, I stay at Ho Chi Minh now, I stay in an Airbnb apartment where I now know the guys that runs it, so I talk to him directly. It's a two-bedroom apartment. It's in an old alleyway. I have ladies who have got five or six different choices of, of dish all day, every day down, downstairs as I walk out with braziers. I've got a coffee shop on the same floor. Uh, I've got a Japanese restaurant downstairs. I've got a pizza place downstairs. I've got, you know, a noodle place around the corner. I've got anything I want within a hundred metres, but I'm I'm a part of Vietnam's ecosystem. I'm not sitting in an international hotel in a dog box room that's decorated like every other hotel in the world. And I walk out of my room and, and I've got 50 stairs up and down, so that's okay. But I'm walking up and down with the locals who live in that apartment.
0: Yeah. And, and I I think if you want to feel like you've been to Vietnam, that's what you've got to do. Uh, I think, I think a lot of people do stick with their favorite brands in hotels and, and they want that luxury experience and, you know, that sensory overload for some is just a little bit too, too much to take on. But I think and one thing I really want to encourage people is that you're probably most likely not 100% not going to see or feel all of Vietnam in one visit. It's just kind of impossible to get to everywhere in one visit, in my opinion. I think if you can... Kind of stage it and and say, look, let's let's just do the north and have a look at the north, or you know, let's have a look at some of the main areas in the south, or or maybe concentrate just in a region, maybe the centre and the north. Um, and look, you know,
1: the other thing is we've got we've now got you know three well, three direct airline flights in and out of Australia. We've got three three brands now flying directly, and as of as of June, Vietjet flies directly from Brisbane to Ho Chi Minh City, which is great. Correct. For queenslanders but we've got in sydney and melbourne we've got via jet bamboo and vietnam airlines flying direct flights so there's lots of choices at lots of prices at lots of different travel levels there and i think you've you've got to get you've got to walk past those alleyways and look at them and walk no one's going to have a gorge no one's going to no one's going to mug you walking down an alley in the daytime in vietnam they might you know i often say look you know Sometimes I used to say to my my friends and family, I feel like my spaceship just landed because I must <laughs> have two. The why they look at you, but that doesn't matter. You know, I just smile and I walk down and I find the best places. I found some amazing little bars, amazing coffee shops, and little restaurants. There's one place I go to in, in off Pasteur and Ho Chi Minh City, and I walk up four flights of stairs past people's washing and apartments and outdoor kitchens to get yeah, to this little to find restaurant. it. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And the feel of those places is. You know, look at the steps, and, and people have been walking up and down those steps for a hundred years. Yeah, you know, enough. with their lifestyles, and you look out across the the, the rooftops and the, the chimney stacks and the hot water systems and the cats. And you know, I remember being in panel <laughs> one morning, you know, a roosters crowing next door, next to the hotel on the rooftop, and there's a cat on the other side, <laughs> and two dogs barking. And you know, it's it's being amongst that stuff that makes me <laughs> different than Australia. Even if well, roosters wake at five thirty, get up go out, yell at it, but get up and, and enjoy it and, and walk around the town. Vietnam has has different times of day that it opens up. Five o'clock in the morning, four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, all the people are going off to work for the early day and you walk outside and there's it's a different world. But then you hit the middle of the day or the 10 or 11 o'clock and all the shops and all the shutters go up and everything's starting to open up from a point of view of commerce. And then, of course, as you go into the evening and Vietnamese people will come back out again because there's no sun because they don't like the sun. So therefore there's cool. a whole new world, the lights, the, the motorbikes, the young people, the bars, the coffee shops. Um, you know, I've, I've been on street sitting on the little kids' tables and chairs on streets in towns and cities eating and, and suddenly a motorbike pulls up and two or three young girls get off the back with a boombox and they start dancing on the street promoting a <laughs> nightclub somewhere, you know, and they get back on again and they ride off, you know just totally random stuff happens and and you know you sit at don't be scared to go into those little cafes and sit on the kids tables and chairs because you'll eat the best food i was going to say like i've only ever been sick once in vietnam in almost 20 years in 60 plus trips and it was an international five star hotel breakfast buffet where the capsicum for the omelet was off i've never been sick with street food i've never had a bad you know never ever had a bad meal in Vietnam I've had a couple of average ones but never had a bad meal um, and those little cafes on the street that put the tables and chairs out at nighttime and you sit down and you you don't go in the kitchen you don't want to know about it uh, but look at the, you know look at the food and you will find some of the most amazing fresh food. and and you know pre-vietnam I would never have eaten snails I would never have eaten duck egg embryos I would never have eaten goats. Goat meat barbecued and all these other amazing things. But when you start into those sorts of food in Vietnam, and right now I'm salivating in my mouth thinking of going back to eat food in Vietnam. <laughs> and and, and I, every time I, I get on the plane here to go, I start thinking about what am I going to eat each day and what those flavors going to be. And I start getting hungry because there's, you know, you get the most unsuspecting meals in the most unsuspecting places by just sitting down in, in some little cafe and and trying to work out, you know, say I've got a bit of Vietnamese, but you know, work out what is on the menu, do some sign language about what it is that you're about to eat, and say, look, I'll just have that, and then don't worry about what it is, dip it in whatever's with it, and it's just amazing every time. It's just amazing. I oh, know, uh, and that's the experience of Vietnam. And and ask and the the young kids will come up and they'll say, oh yeah, go get me a beer, will you? And they'll go across to the shop and buy you <laughs> a beer. Come back. Uh, you know, I remember sitting on the beach in natchang years ago. A lady came up with, you know, the stick across her shoulders with two pots. Uh, she, had, she had lobster with her son. You know, I was at the sailing club on the, on the, on the lilos out there, and she came up and she put down the grass, the, the, the reed mat, sat down, pulled it out. Pulled out a fresh lobster she just bought at the markets that day. Marinated it, put the brazier down, cooked the lobster. Her son went up and bought some beers at the shop and brought them back. And I sat there and had fresh cooked lobster with rice, vegetables, corn on the brazier, sweet potato on the brazier, and beer on the beach. And it cost me like five dollars.
0: I was going <laughs> to say <laughs> it cost you about five five dollars. Yeah, I was going to be
1: scared. Don't be scared to get involved. No one's trying to rip you off. Uh, you know even the guys who even the guys who walk around polish your shoes just because they don't run off with of your shoes but you know they're, they're just trying to make a living they're just trying to make a living they're not there to scam you they're just trying to make a living stay away from offers of drugs stay away from offers of, of you know pool parlors and young girls and karaoke and that sort of thing when people go past on motorbikes but don't be scared of the old guys that say do you want a motorbike because those old guys are know everything that moves in that town you're in yeah everywhere to go Simon,
0: I'm so glad to have you on because you kind of uh, support and speak of with a passion and love of Vietnam, as I feel. So I feel like I'm vindicated just by having you on. So that's that's really terrific.
1: Amazing. I have to say, you know, I really appreciate the conversation because it teases out you know, I visualize these experiences, I talk about them and, you know, I'm just sitting here saying I better get on my next trip <laughs> because <laughs> I, want to just up and I want to experience those things, you know, and I want to go and uh, go and do those things again. And look, every, you know, my son will come in from the other room and uh, listening to the end of our, our bits of our conversation here and he always says, you know, when are we going back, when are we going back because he's always thinking about what the next experience is.
0: Yes, and, you know, I, I have a bit of withdrawal when I come back because, you know, I a bit like you, I, I get out and about and, and I experience these things. So, you know, life back here sometimes feels a little bit vanilla after, you know, time in Vietnam. So uh, it takes a little bit of uh, reconditioning when you get back because the the experiences and the the energy and the people, the openness, all, all of that just is... Um, it gets under his skin.
1: The French used to call it Indochina malad, which is you know the Indochina sickness that you catch and never want to go home. Yeah, yeah, yeah malad. Yeah, they used to call it Indochina sickness, and and you know, with Cambodia and, and Vietnam, you know, as as parts of France many years ago. But um, and French people would disappear and just never come back. You know. But I think <laughs> that you know, you know, my advice is when you when you're coming back and you go, I'm going to miss that, is book the next trip before you come back. Yeah. <laughs> And I do. I sit in Vietnam. And I, go I to do too. It. I do too. Because then I, then I start to look forward to what happens on the next one.
0: Simon, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we'll leave it there, but I look forward to talking with you again and just thank you for your time and sharing some of your experiences. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for listening. Check out the episode notes
0: for more information. What about Vietnam? Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, and stay tuned for more fun adventures in Vietnam. What about Vietnam?